if you find that you're somebody that is constantly looking at your partner and all the things that they're doing and how they're not doing this and that and they need to heal and you know and you're hyper focused on their side of the street it is a hugely self-sabotaging tendency or behavior and whenever you feel yourself doing that what i like to suggest to people is like bring it back to yourself what is your experience what's happening with you you cannot change it's not your business what somebody else is doing or what kind of healing work they're doing bring keep bringing it back to yourself welcome everybody to the podcast relationships Let's talk about it. I'm Prevo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Relationship Sabotage. And I have a conversation with a returning guest, Kathy Courtney. We talk about many aspects of relationship sabotage, how it is a self-defeating patterns of behaviors in relationships. And they show up and it's rear its head in many different ways, in unrealistic expectations, chronic mistrust, losing yourself in a relationship, the need for control, feeling insecure, the underlying aspects of the inability to self-soothe. We really transverse this topic, Kathy and I. We also share how in our own lives, we're aware of how we sabotage our relationship in certain ways. So let me tell you a little bit more about Kathy. Kathy is a relationship coach here in Asheville, North Carolina. One of Kathy's greatest strengths is creating a safe space that allows others to be with things that feel difficult and to stand fully in what's real for them. Her warmth and her love evoke the full expression of truth, authenticity of those she meets, and I can attest for that. She's also a leader in the art of circling, which gives her a unique ability to cultivate authentic, meaningful relationships with her clients and meet them where they are. You can contact Kathy at kathycourtney.com and we have links to her website in the show notes. So here we go on a journey. We throw out a lot of information for people to be aware of and to chew on and to think about So you might even want to listen to this twice. Okay, everybody, let's talk about relationship sabotage with Kathy Courtney. Here we go, Kathy. We're going to do another podcast because it's been a while, but I love when you and I have our conversations and not just because we get to have juicy conversations, but it's a really benefit for people. People love the difficult conversations. One that we did falling in love, 
you got a lot of good information and ways to look at relationships. So thanks for joining me again. Thank you, Prepo. It's so great to be here with you again. I always get really excited when you ask me to come back on. It's always lovely to be in connection with you. So thanks so much for having me. Yeah. And we're going to talk about relationship sabotage, like self-defeating patterns and behaviors and relationships, because people might not recognize, you know, all the sabotaging that we do in order to not get what we want, connection, love, respect, and people staying in in good, healthy, long-term relationships. So um, let's venture in it. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was thinking before just how like how many ways we can sabotage a relationship. It's amazing that we can even do this thing called relationship with such uh, all the complexities that we all come with, you know. Yeah. So go ahead and na- name the ways that you think that we we sabotage relationships. Oh my goodness. I think that there's so many ways we can sabotage there's lots of different ways and then maybe later we can talk about some underlying causes and how to how to work with that. I think, you know, people try to control, um, they try to get their partners to do things, they try to be right instead of honoring the connection over being right. Mm-hmm. I think people can not give the relationship the kind of food that it needs. You know, they they very much focus on you and me versus the us between us and really feeding the us. And that can show up in a variety of ways. I think also, you know, things like straying from the relationship, allowing your energy to leak out of the relationship and getting, getting, you know, needs met in sort of sideways ways from other people that you could be really focusing in within the container and the primacy of your relationship. Mm-hmm. There's so many other ways, but I'll pause there and let you, let you kind of go in deeper with any of that that you feel drawn to. Yeah, those are so juicy. They're good. You know, I, I really love the one that I think shows up a lot is people's own insecurity when it really shows up in the relationship, their own insecure sense of themselves. So then they're always second guessing, not only themselves, but therefore they're second guessing the other person. You know, they need the constant reassurance. Do you love me? Do you care about me? You got to prove it. You got to show it to me. A lot of jealousy and um, sabotage comes around not trusting or being paranoid. So I think like that's a big one that I see as around people that uh, have a lot of insecurities. And if we're not taking care of our own sense of self, loving ourselves, being able to soothe ourselves, seeing our part of challenges and what we can do to shift and change the direction to go to more connection and more respect and love, then that's going to be a constant sabotage. And of course, that comes from way before we ever had intimate relationships that comes in our family of origin and so forth. So that's a big one. That's a huge one because it's definitely not attractive to watch Mm. your partner (laughs) feeling jealous or insecure and having to constantly affirm. Um, And I have so much compassion. I actually just worked with a young, kind of a, a young man who is seeing himself go through that And although he knows in his mind that that's not the right way to go, it has such a power over Mm. his entire being and his body 
that he's having a hard time controlling and working with it. And, you know, it's bringing up something much deeper. And so it's very painful for him to watch himself sabotaging himself, but not feeling like he can amend it or change it. So I think that is a big one. Yeah. People do really feel like you said, out of control, they don't feel that they have a lot of hope in changing some of those patterns. And I, I take people on, you know, in a slower aspect of don't have so much expectation that it's going to just turn around in a solid, healthy way of communicating. One is just being really honest, like really being honest with ourselves when we're feeling insecure in many different ways. The more that I think that we become honest and we don't cover up and shoot it and project it on somebody else. Because I know when I was on the receiving end of a projected paranoid jealousy, like you said, it wasn't attractive whatsoever. Mm -hmm. What I had less respect was the person doing their own awareness work around owning that, owning their own insecurity. So I think that's the first step in that sabotage pattern is really owning our own insecurities and, and vulnerability around it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think you, you pointed out something really important in that in all of our sabotage and, and our reaction and really just what's happening with us in our own bodies and our own experience moment to moment, that the first fundamental way or aspect of true intimacy is being able to have enough self-awareness to know oh my gosh, I'm being triggered. Like something is happening and, and there's this storm, you know, I'm being flooded by something. And, and it's once we get flooded by a reactionary response, a threat response, that we, we have these behaviors that we have learned to, we've adapted to as younger people that are all ultimately, you know, losing behaviors in, in relationships. But in order to know that that's even happening, you have to have a sense of self-awareness. It's such an important part of being in a relationship and especially one that you want to sustain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's such a great point of just the self-awareness because a lot of people, what they do is they keep quiet or suppress their feelings. Either they're not aware of what they're feeling or they're not even aware that they have a right to feel what they're feeling. So that awareness to be able to know what is it that I'm feeling? How do I express that I'm feeling it? How do I own it? What vocabulary that I give to it? Um, maybe even the origins of it. So I think, you know, one part of that sabotage of people, what they do is also they, they keep quiet and they suppress what it is that they're experiencing. And one may be that they're not aware of what it is that they're experiencing emotionally. That's correct. And um, I have recently been studying the brain a little bit and the relational brain. Mm. And, you know, we have this way that, you know, a threat shows up and within an eighth of a second, our lower brain has a, has a response. You know, we, we make a decision very, very quickly. And most people, you know, have these knee-jerk sort of really fast responses to what they're perceiving as a threat. So our higher brain or our, our neocortex, actually we can develop more of a witness of what's going on 
and be able to soothe that part of ourselves that that responds so quickly the the neocortex you know i think it it it's much a much slower processing part of our brain but we have to learn to to notice that that's happening and then actually soothe ourselves before we come back to our partner with a response with a communication with an owning whatever it is but when we're constantly responding from this you know fight flight freeze kind of place and you know we we maybe feel very validated in our responses mm-hmm. um but if we keep responding from that lower part of our brain um we're just going to perpetuate these sabotaging behaviors so if if you are committed and really wanting to shift your relational patterns and experience more intimacy more connection a really important part of that is is being able to be and you know be with that response notice what it is have a look at it and be able to bear witness and ultimately ultimately learn to soothe yourself before you act or communicate or respond. Yeah, great point. So I'm going to ask you this question about my sabotage that I just was aware when you said, I think how I subtly sabotage intimacy in my relationship with my wife is my hyperactive focus about being a provider and therefore making sure that her life is good, our life is good, my son's life is good and providing for my clients. And so it's not that I'm like a workaholic and keeping busy, but I got my checklist going and I've, you know, it's hard at times to just relax and sink into just being with my wife at times when I know oh, I've got these other things that I really need to do. And these are important because, babe, I'm trying to make sure that I can pay the bills for for our family. That's my own sabotage of like this justification to maybe put my attention outward instead of being really present and really grounded and trusting. So it's it's that part of that little hypersensitive part that you're saying of that I'm not self-soothing myself enough in those moments to be present enough to trust that I'll get to all those things and I'll do all those things to be really, really present and to enjoy the moments that we have. And mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely do that, but I, I want to do it way more than yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. Well, can I ask you a few things about that? Yes, doctor. Yes, go ahead, please. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I have a couple of things that come up about that. First of all, my my curiosity is, there's something you're in relation to. And it's this idea, this concept that I have to be the provider. And if I'm the provider, then what's the narrative? If I'm the provider, then I'm enough. Is it? Oh, it's a, it's a, I love the identity that I'm able to provide and give to people that makes their life easier, that I'm giving something of myself and I, it brings value. Like that's part of my value. I'll take care of it. I got it you know and so especially the harder things let me take care of some of the harder things and uh so i'll relieve your stress i'll take on the stress and maybe that comes from growing up in detroit i say this a lot but growing up, people that know that that when you grew up in like a blue collar town there's a mentality about 
about working. You know, like you get up, you work every day. You just, you take it on, you take it on, you take it on. And I think that that's a little bit instilled in me about I'll take it on so you don't have to. So in some way to get more appreciations because <laughs> I, I can also have resentment if I, hey, come on, don't you know all the shit that I'm taking on, you know? But yeah. nobody asked me to take it on. I took it on. Right. And yeah. if you were not taking it on, like mm. moments where you slow down and your wife is right there and what happens in your, like, what happens in your body, what happens in your experience if you're not taking that on? Yeah, I got to let go of that identity. And if I don't take it on, then I've just got to be okay with who I am without doing something, without proving something, without providing. And is that enough for me? You know, just to just to be existing and will people love me just as much for me just existing and not providing for them? Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm as a provider and as I continue to like continue to do that, then I'm loved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So then it's like, well, can you be with that part of yourself that's afraid of losing love? And notice that that's the thing that's driving that uh, that motivation. No, and I can't be with that part because I got to work. I don't have time for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Could I be with that part? Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I know when I am with that part, it's just so sweet and it's so. Um, you know, it's so vulnerably soothing to me to just love myself enough that I don't have to prove that I don't have to keep providing. And nobody is constantly pushing me to do that. That's, that's my own stuff. And, uh, but yeah, um, I, it's just, that's the unconscious sabotage. I think that I think that I need to keep doing it, but, yeah. but I don't need to, I'm, I'm yeah. I, I would be loved without it. Yeah, I was going to ask you, does Rainbow complain about lack of presence? or I mean, is there a complaint? No, I think more what it, what it is that she would like to see me just enjoy my my moments more. Um, not especially just, just with her, but just, you know, me taking way more breaks, me taking care of myself with a lot more walks, yeah. you know, not having to get ahead of the ball game to, 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 you know, the checklist that I'm talking about. And I think she would just like, like me to enjoy my life more. Not so much. She's really asking, I want more presence with you. And probably, you know, she was, she probably would say, I like to take more walks with you. And I would love to, you know, for you to maybe be a little lighter at times and not as serious. And, Mm -hmm. but I don't think she complains when, when there is a, agreed upon or when she asks for when I know that there's going to be presence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I don't think she had that yeah. that's more of the issue. I think more of the issue is that she would just like to see me just uh, enjoy my life more. Right. So it's not yeah. so much from her. It's more like, you know, that there's more for you and you notice this thing drives you and it's hard for you to, uh, to let it go. And so there's, there's more richness and more something that you're wanting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah yeah well do you want to do a switch and i'll tell you one of my sabotages yeah i would love to hear it so i'm curious kathy if you know some of your present sabotages that um creates a challenge for you to have more intimacy and closeness and and self-love in your in your relationship 
Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I would say that the one that I have my eye on the most is I have a way of, um, if I'm not careful, focusing on what is not right when there's like a hundred things that are good. And there's a couple things that could use a tweak, but it's a work in progress. And I can, if I'm not careful, my attention can go toward those couple things as opposed to appreciating and really magnifying the good. Mm. And I'm curious when you, when you do that, when you go towards more of the things that maybe need tweaking, do you know the reason or do you know the ways that that may create more protection for you or? You know, what's the payoff for you to do that? Mm, what's the payoff? I think that there is an underlying fear of complacency or like there's also maybe a belief that there's always got to be something that's being worked on or mm. there's got to be a challenge to grow. Those are some of the things that I think are driving that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure there's a huge payoff. (laughs) That doesn't really bring anything up. (laughs) From the way I see it, there's not much of a payoff at all. It's just an old, it's an old learned behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I could reward instead of like, what are you getting out of it instead of a payoff? Cause I think we do these things to get something out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that like, there's a fear for me and just, I don't know if it's a fear, but like, Everything is actually okay. You know, like, can I relax into the okay of this moment and of of the situation? There's something always in the background, like, oh, this isn't okay. Like, it's my way of, maybe it's been my way of survival or something or, and it's also learned behavior. And I think, I think some of these sabotages are, are behaviors that we've learned from our lineage. Right. I think it's more like that for me. Mm-hmm. Did you see that modeled anywhere? What you were oh, just yeah. talking about? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, like right. to the max. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the worst thing about it is like, it ultimately, if I actually express those things or really, you know, ruminate on them or let my partner know, he ends up hearing like he, it's never enough. Mm-hmm. It's never enough. And so I've heard that before. So I have to actively try to continue to accentuate the things I'm grateful for and really look at that. And it's really a huge, it requires a rewiring. Yeah. And then practice. You know, I know you talk about appreciation practice. That's a really great way to accentuate and magnify the positive aspects. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's, that's what happens for me. And I have to keep an eye on that. And does that spiral into any anything else like uh, unrealistic expectations or, or chronic mistrust? Or is there any times that you then keep quiet or suppress your feelings because you don't want them to come out negative? Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't really spiral too badly anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've really done a lot of work around expectations because I think I actually don't have many expectations. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm human. I have some expectations, but I don't feel like 
I have them in the sense that I'm setting myself up for disappointment. Um, I feel more in reality now. I don't have mistrust issues. I mean, I do in certain aspects. Why don't you ask me that mistrust question again? Because I, I maybe there maybe there is something there. Chronic mistrust. A mistrust could just be around that. What I'm hearing is in some way of wanting to make sure your partner is doing the work. And do you trust that he's going to do his own work or do you have to tell him or constantly bring it up to him in the areas that maybe he's not, he's not yeah. seeing himself. And that could be an underlying aspect of mistrust. Yeah. I like that. I think, you know, I'll, I'll say that he, I know he is doing the work on cortically. I know that. And I think that there is a mistrust that, that on some level he's not <laughs> but like but yet he shows me he is you know so i think that that's based on history more mm. than it is on reality with my partner mm. so yeah i think you know i've been fed a message that you really can't trust men mm. and i think that that is a really tough one and i see it in a lot of girls and women around me yeah and so I realize that that's, that's not something that I want to really carry forward. I think we need to really shift the paradigms of masculine and feminine and how we are together and being so binary like that, you know, and, and so I'm really working on that belief that has been handed to me. And uh, it's painful because I see it in my my girls, my daughters as well. So I'm working on that one, Prepo. Mm. That's so good that you brought that up. Those can be such foundational aspects of belief system that that we know we want to shift, but how that influences, like we're talking about today, a sabotage. So if there is something in the foreground that you can't trust men or even the, the reverse of, you know, I hear from men, a woman is going to be always like, you know, irrational that I'm not going to be able to ever satisfy a woman, you know, and that's based on, of course, their past with mostly probably their upbringing with their, their parents and so forth. But that foundational aspect, if we don't really shift that, how we're sabotaging, because if that part of, I, I, it's hard to trust men or can't trust men, then the sabotage, of course, is, boy, I'm not going to be able to to disclose or be fully open or vulnerable or to allow the trust in and that how that impacts intimacy. So those, I think those are just great to to be able to name, you know, because that is a level of mistrust that's different than fearing of lying or infidelity or betrayal. It's a different kind of mistrust. It is. And it reminds me that back to self-awareness, like I have to know that that's what's operating in the background. Mm. And then, you know, I have to take in, in order to, if I want to shift it and what I'm working on is when I have these corrective experiences. So for instance, when my partner shows up in a way that I'm not expecting, you know, like in a way that is trusting and that goes against the that belief that's in the background that I've inherited, that then I take it in as a corrective experience and I really anchor it into my body, into mm. my system. 
And, and I think it's really important to be able to do that mm-hmm. um, when it comes to trust and, and healing some of the, the wounds from the past. And is there a part of you that expect, expects the other person to do that also? No, that's, I mean, I can hope that, mm-hmm. but it's not, that part's not so much my business. Right. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that's a big sabotage when people do that too, right? Yeah. Really expecting their partner to also do, it's like, you know, doing somebody else's work for, for them yes. you know, as opposed to really staying on our side of the net. Definitely. That's a huge one. So thanks for doing it. Thanks for uh, looking into to my self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. That was fun. <laughs> and yes, I think that does bring us to another really big one is staying on our side of the street. Like right. when is it my business and when is it not? Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, you know, especially this word codependency, it has a lot of, it's just such a vast thing. And I don't really personally want to get too deeply into that. But let's just say, if you find that you're somebody that is constantly looking at your partner and all the things that they're doing and how they're not doing this and that, and they need to heal and, you know, and you're hyper-focused on their side of the street, it is a hugely self-sabotaging tendency or behavior. And whenever you feel yourself doing that, what I like to suggest to people is like, bring it back to yourself. What is your experience? What's happening with you? You cannot change. It's not your business what somebody else is doing or what kind of healing work they're doing. Bring, keep bringing it back to yourself. Yeah. And that behavior of, you know, meddling and being in your partner's business too much is a huge self-sabotaging behavior. Yeah, I I totally agree. You know, when you are convinced that the problem is because of your partners, therefore you're spending too much time analyzing the other person rather than taking responsibility for your role in the relationship problems, that's a very big sabotage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What other ones? Well, you know, I was thinking about people that struggle with intimacy. Um, you know, maybe they might be what we call the pursuer or the distancer, you know, the pursuer of craving intense closeness and the distancers, you know, who can be remote or shut down when stressed. So I think like having that awareness too of how that might sabotage, like, you know, if somebody is constantly, if I, if I put up a boundary to my partner and tell her like, Hey, I'm overwhelmed right now. You know, I just really need some time myself. But if she craves closeness at that moment and is pushing me to connect when I'm not available to connect, which my wife doesn't do, I'm just putting that as an example, then, you know, that's, that's a sabotage that, that she would be doing of pushing me to, to connect. So she's got to look at her pursuer, and I might have to look at, am I distancing too much? Am I, am I needing to self-soothe instead of coming towards the relationship in some way to get connection? So I think that that's an interesting dynamic that, that people have to look at of how they're sabotaging their relationships. Yeah. In that case, you know, I think what's so helpful is when you have 
a couple that are patterned that way, you know, more anxious avoidant kind of attachment styles, that in that kind of situation, it's super important for to have a, a touch-in point of like, okay, can't right now, let's check in in an hour, mm-hmm. see where I am, so that you're caring for both of you in the relationship. The people don't really, you know, you have to kind of learn those strategies or those skills, I should say, to handle that. That actually also like makes me think about self-esteem as well. So in the relational life therapy work that I'm studying, he has this thing called the relationship grid. And on one axis, axis on the horizontal axis is on one side, if you can imagine, there is walled off. So, you know, the, the total avoidant, mm-hmm. uh, completely boundaried and walled off. And then on the other side of that extreme is somebody that's boundaryless. And then on the other axis, the vertical axis is uh, self-esteem. And so on one end of the axis is somebody that thinks that they're better than, they're grandiose, they, you know, they don't have shame, they, they think they're better than. And then on the other end of it is somebody that's real shame-based, you know, they always kind of put their partner on a pedestal, they, you know, they don't speak up for themselves, and, you know, other ways too. And in the center is healthy self-esteem. So, Getting back to like these sabotaging behaviors, I think intimacy only really happens when you're on the same, the same level as your partner. So, you know, if you're finding yourself always putting your partner above you and allowing them to treat you poorly, or then that's, you know, just as bad as, as the partner that thinks that they're better than. I think a lot of people, some people can fluctuate. But I know that one of my things in the past, if I feel threatened, I will make myself better than, like I'll look at their flaws Mm -hmm. and then think that they need to heal and so on and so forth. And that I feel like I'm better than them, which is a sabotaging behavior or way of being in a relationship because it does not allow for intimacy. Yeah. That was a big mouthful. Sorry, did that yeah. make sense? Yeah, that made a lot of sense because I love that last part because, you know, to have people really understand that there's these levels of like critique or criticism, you know, the you know best partnerships involved, you know, some aspect of, I call it, you know, constructive feedback. But if you're always criticizing your partner for small behaviors, this could also be a sign of, of self-sabotage because critiquing your partner when they do not deserve it could mean that you are subconsciously trying to create a wedge between you two or drive them away. And that's try to understand, like, is that, is that an unconscious motivation to push that wedge? Or like you're saying, I just did a solo cast on contempt. Contempt mm-hmm. has that energy of I'm better than you. You know, it has disdain and it has dehumanization in it. But but when that starts to get into a relationship, that level of that, I'm better than you, ooh, it's slow poison in a relationship. And that's that's a self-sabotage that we do when we stay in that realm of, of uh, feeling that, that I'm better than the other person. 
Yes. And so I'm so glad you brought up contempt because on that axis, so on the other side of it is, you know, very low shame-based esteem. That's also contempt, but it's contempt for self. So mm -hmm. one is contempt for other and, and one is contempt for self. So, you know, knowing where you typically land on that continuum is really important um, to know. And if you're like, if you have a lot of shame, you can really work to heal your own self-esteem. You know, you can notice a bad behavior, but still uh, send warm regard to yourself. Right. You know, it's like your behavior is not you. Your behavior is a, maybe a bad behavior, but it can be amended. It's mm -hmm. not who you are. Right. So, I think for those that are kind of feel that contempt for themselves, it's really important to, yeah, notice the behavior, you can change it. And guilt can allow, can show you, oh, there's been a behavior that's not healthy or good, you know, mm -hmm. beneficial, but can I still send love toward myself while I look at the behavior? Yeah. And that kind of gets into the realm to me of like engaging in unhealthy behaviors like well it might not seem like it but eating poorly drinking or smoking excessively and overall not taking care of oneself can be a sign of self-sabotage even though it's a behavior because the negative behaviors can function as a a sort of coping mechanism for individuals who are unhappy in a relationship but don't know how to fix it don't know how to communicate about it and so I see it as these unhealthy patterns can also be a scapegoat for the issues in a relationship. Like if someone is focused on their excessive smoking, for example, then they can blame their relationship troubles on that rather than looking for the deeper problems. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Mm -hmm. So if there's anything, any behavior that's, you know, excessive like that, it's typically a red flag that there's something much deeper going on. And that needs to be addressed before you can actually find, again, the intimacy and the healthy relating yeah. space for each other. Yeah. For sure. Is it okay to bring up another one? Absolutely. I don't want to overwhelm people. I think people are hungry for it. So if you're overwhelmed, pause it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Positive, take care of yourself. Don't don't yeah, self-sabotage. Go hydrate. Yeah. <laughs> take a couple <laughs> stretches. <laughs> so I would say too, a big one is being mm. passive aggressive. Yeah, there you go. Which is kind of a form of retaliation. Mm -hmm. So if I go personal on it, in the past, like I mentioned, I would give and give and give without being asked. And I would then, you know, harbor a little resentment if, if not seen or if not reciprocated or you name it. Mm. So in, in a way I would give, but sort of stack up what I'm giving. I'd count it. <laughs> you mm. know? Mm -hmm. And then in a moment where there was discord, I would use that as ammunition in a sideways fashion, in a, a very passive aggressive manner. Can you give an example? Gosh, I knew you'd ask me that and of I didn't course. have one. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, something, if one comes up, 
I'll let you know. But I was also thinking about how you you said in your your ability and your constant drive to take care of, you know, have your family back and take care of it. And then you would sometimes feel like, well, geez, I always, you know. Yeah. If my wife wants me, come on, go ahead. Take take that Saturday off and go for a walk. A walk. What are you talking about? I've got to do this and this for you. Right. And that can bring that if that's not clean, because I think what you're also talking about in some sense that goes into like holding grudges, like often holding grudges in a relationship can lead to poor communication, delayed anger, and Mm -hmm. some fighting that is from the basis of passive aggressiveness. And Mm -hmm. people may be subconsciously holding a grudge to avoid talking about the issues. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the ways it can come out is in sarcasm. Yeah. Making, poking at your partner about his character or her character that's been bugging you over time, but you're not really addressing what that is in a mm-hmm. healthy communicative way. But instead you poke at them mm-hmm. um, through sarcasm or things like that. That's another form of being passive aggressive, yeah. you know, or retaliating. So like you hurt me this way, so right. I'm going to hurt you. So you feel what it was like for me. Exactly. So that punishment of even withdrawing love and attention because I'm hurt by you. So I'm going to make you feel what it feels like. Right. Like I'm not going to answer to your texts for the whole day mm. or I'm, I'm going to do this. Or, I mean, it can get so extreme as like you had an affair. Well, I'm going to have an affair just to right. let you know how it feels. Right. Yeah. So that's also a not a good strategy for <laughs> no. healthy relationship. No, it's not. Not uh, at all. Yeah. How about this one? I want to throw in one. I don't know why it came to my mind, but I yeah, maybe it came to my mind because I hear it a lot from couples around being punished about sex, like giving up on sex. You know, it's normal for couples to go through phases of of lackluster sex or not having sex, but giving up on it or mm-hmm. or withdrawing it from the relationship, that is a real sabotage in an intimate monogamous relationship because there's expectations that that's where you're going to get that satisfaction from is this relationship. And yeah. I, I think it also stems from people, many people are just too uncomfortable to talk about sexuality and intimacy they won't tell their partner if they're unsatisfied in the sexual relationship to try to turn around which leads to frustration and resentment and even perhaps like you know there's something better on the other side so yeah i mean that is a huge topic for sure if somebody is withdrawing sex I mean, you can withdraw sex for multiple reasons, right? Like one could be retaliative, like um, retaliation as well. Yeah. Like I know how much you love sex. I'm going to withdraw it so it hurts, you know? That's right. Yeah. That's one way. Or, you know, um, there can be, like you said, unspoken things occurring that are not being addressed. And, and then, you know, little by little, the sex gets lackluster and fewer and further between. But there's there's many reasons that could go into that kind of situation. There's lots of factors that can be involved, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother podcast. Have you done one about that? Yeah, I actually well would I did one about let's talk about sex. And it was just more sexual issues and challenges and behaviors and 
with Kelly Johnson, who's a sexologist here in town. And uh, yeah, that was a good one. It spurred many, many things for people. So, but I would like to get into more the, maybe the power struggle around sex would be a a good topic too. Definitely. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There was another one. This is kind of big actually. And I think that this is hard for people, you know, to be able to hold differences Mm -hmm. and then still have enough connecting the couple. So, you know, I think that there's a tendency to want to merge, you know, and like have the same interests and try to see the ways that we're the same. And for some people, it can be threatening to be able to hold and honor the differences in the couple. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes what that can look like is that there's so many differences, but there's not enough linking the couple that they kind of live separate lives, right? Mm-hmm. And so little by little, they become less of an us. Um, or there can be like couples that are, they don't allow the differences and they become so merged. Well, then, then it kind of like, they lose their polarity. And that's where like, they become best, best, best friends, but they don't have sex anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the, I think that that's a skill for couples to learn. So like really allowing yourself, keeping in your life, the things that are important to you, your interests, your hobbies, your way of seeing things, like it's okay to have the differences. As long as you're feeding enough of what's linking and connecting you. Exactly. Yeah. About a year ago, Rainbow and I, we did a podcast together on that managing differences in the relationship. And mm-hmm. and I think that is so key to really understand the differences, to know that you can manage differences. It's not all about resolving that if there is these differences that they're supposed to be resolved, how to honor that, mm-hmm. how to then, like you said, find different ways of connecting in your life to get some certain connections that you might not be getting from from the relationship because we go about it, we have different needs and different desires. So yeah, that's a big one. If we're not, if we're not honoring and allowing differences in the relationship. Good one. Yeah. I mean that, I think that working on that's relationship harmony, right? When you Mm -hmm. can have the differences and still have enough connecting you. And I think that changes over time. So it's important to have an awareness like, I think it's good for people to be able to step outside of of their experience and look down at the relationship and how how are we doing in that regard? Like, are we holding that balance of harmony with differences in connection? Yeah. Are we too merged right now? Is there too much sameness? Is there too much distance? Are we yeah. living too separately? Keeping an eye on on the us. Uh, the third aspect, you know? Yeah, that third entity of the the relationship that we talked about before. I like also what you said, like sometimes the fear of like entrapment can come in and that can sabotage. If there's like too much of the sameness or there's too pushing to be the sameness, then people start to feel entrapped in the relationship. And that's a lot of fear of people deepening their, their commitment. People don't want to be trapped. They don't want to feel trapped in their relationship. And that's the part of the fear of really losing ourselves to our partner's needs 
That's why some people bolt and or temporarily or permanently. And that's the commitment phobic label that we hear a lot too. Yeah, definitely. Nobody wants to be in trap. (laughs) And, you know, it definitely depends too on your, your history with your caregivers and how much enmeshment or non-enmeshment there was. And, you know, there's, we all come with such a different history, but yeah, nobody wants to be trapped and have, I mean, to me, just hearing that like takes the air out of the room. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I think it, it's similar in a way to, well, it's it's different, but, and I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but like being controlled or yeah. trying to control. That's right. Nobody, nobody wants to feel controlled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's nobody. a big one. Right. Oof. Mm-hmm. That is such a big one. Like, And that, again, comes back to self-awareness, you know, this desire to control. I mean, it just comes from fear and, and, um, you know, needing to feel safe, I suppose. I mean, it comes from different different places, but for me... Our own raising, being overbearing parents who forced obedience and subservience, that could also trigger off people to be controlled. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, there's lots of different reasons, right? For me, often when I when I go deeper, when I feel the impulse to control, it's a lot about feeling safe and okay. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's it's really important to be able to recognize when you're doing it, and then like understand what's going on in that moment, and own it. You know. Soothe again, soothe yourself, find out what you need, like what's going on and, and, and kind of dissect what's happening Mm -hmm. because nobody wants to be controlled. That's right. You know, that's an interesting, nobody wants to be controlled, but we all have fears and concerns, right? So I've always found it, there's a tricky balance between not being controlled and continuing to do the behaviors that may be creating a little bit of discomfort in your partner. Mm-hmm. And then also minding your partner or being, you know, considerate or helping regulate yeah. your partner. There's, there's a fine line between that. Wouldn't you say? I, there's a tremendous fine line between that, you know, um, yeah, because there there are that aspect of people want to be again, like maybe taken care of, or they feel safe when somebody is making a decision for the betterment of them. But it could feel all of a sudden now there's unilateral decision making, and instead of like trusting the other person, you're putting all the trust, you know, you're giving your trust away. So yeah, that is a fine line of that feeling of um, being taken care of as opposed to being controlled. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we could take each one of these. Yeah, and make and a whole podcast separately. <laughs> yes. Each one of them has, you know, there's a lot to it and um yeah, we could we could really do a podcast on each one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've done some. I've done, you know, some in, in some sure ways, but but it would be good to also lay it out of, of, you know, maybe in the future too, of the basis of getting out of, 
you know, you talked a lot about, you know, self-awareness, like we're telling people self-awareness, self-worth, self-esteem, boundaries. Those are ways to get out of sabotaging, you know, behaviors and patterns, really taking accountability, knowing one's own self, um, not being controlling, differentiating. So those are many ways to, to get out of it. But I really love that we that we explored and showed people, man, there's a lot of different ways that we sabotage and have self-defeating patterns of behaviors in our relationships. So, Yeah. And I hope that, I guess, before we complete this, I'd love to say that, you know, it's okay. We all are human and we all engage in these self-sabotaging behaviors. Right. And if you find yourself, you know, sabotaging yourself in your relationship to a point where it's creating harm it's creating you know it's it's creating damage to the relationship what i would love to encourage is that there's clearly there's something happening for you there's a trigger there's something from your past there's things that need looking at being with and it's really good to work with a guide whether that's a therapist or a coach or somebody like that to really unpack what is happening for you where does this come from how can i gain self-compassion and and send love to these parts of myself and then when they come up learn to soothe them Mm. and you know, learn new skills and new ways to respond to things that feel so threatening. Yeah. So well said. And speaking of that, then before we go, so tell us what's, what's juicy for you work. What do you want people to know of how they can, how they can get in touch with you? What, what you got going on in the, in that realm, in this relationship world of uh, support, Thank you for the mm-hmm. question. Yeah. So, yeah, I am currently working with both couples and individuals as a coach. I work on a lot of these things that we've talked about. And so that's, you know, they can reach me through my website at kathycourtney.com. And I think there's, you have a link. In yep. We'll have show notes. Yeah. Link in the show notes. Yeah. And then also, you know, I'm offering every other week authentic relating and circling classes on Wednesday evenings. So you can email me and find out about that. And in January, I have a a class coming up for women around speaking your truth and being with some uncomfortable emotions. Um, And I think I have a few spots left in that. So yeah, there's various ways that you can engage with me and I would love to hear from you. Mm, wonderful. Well, you're going to hear from me more and engage with me more. I love our conversation. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Sweet. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kathy. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, people. All righty. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode, which is sponsored by Stillpoint Wellness located here in Asheville, North Carolina. Still Point is Asheville's premier spa. They offer state-of-the-art saltwater flotation tanks and the world-renowned certified Esalen massages. They are also owned and operated by very good friends and colleagues of mine, Corey Costanzo and Robin Costanzo. 
So if you live here locally or are making a visit to Asheville, don't miss out on an incredible experience at Stillpoint Wellness. You can check them out at stillpointwell.com or check out the show notes for the links. And if you mention the code word PREPO, you will get 10% off your first float or your first Eslam massage. And I just want to mention that having sponsorships and your donations really help in making this get out to you in a professional manner. I have a whole team, as I said before, that puts this together with state-of-the-art sound editing, professional scripted show notes. So if you or your company organization is interested in sponsoring my podcast, you can contact me at prepo.com and we will talk about it. And don't forget to check out the audio guides and audio meditations that are on my website, prepo.com, and there is many more to come. And I just want to get a personal shout out here to my wife, Ivana Rainbow. As I'm recording this, this is around the day that we met 26 years ago. So folks, everything that I've said on these 125 podcasts and what I've learned, I've really learned deeply in my relationship with my wife. So I am just so grateful that you have been in my life. You are my love in my life. And you are my inspiration. Mm. Just you and me. Simple and free. Baby, you're everything I've ever dreamed of. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Thank you, Chicago, for that inspiration of that song. And you are also one of my inspirations to get this podcast out. I really hope it's benefiting you all. All right, sending you all lots of love. Hoping you're able to focus on what's important in your life, what's meaningful. Loving yourself, being kind to yourself, showing yourself lots of compassion so that you can give that out to others. Okay, everybody. I hope you make yourselves a beautiful day. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting, PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Thank you.